beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as the Heavenly Father, our God continues to shower upon us His powerful promises. We all, and now also the youngest member of the congregation, Riley, with us, we all are taken, so to speak, upon God's wings. Through God's divine strength, we are strengthened so that in a world of weakness and death, a world in which we are born, we nevertheless have and may live a new life. Or as we read in Romans 6 and quoted in our form for baptism, by baptism we are buried with God's Son, Jesus Christ, into death, but raised with Him to walk in newness of life. This truth of God's people getting strength for a new life is revealed all through the Old Testament Scripture. From Genesis 3 to Malachi 4, God speaks as the God of salvation. In the New Testament, this truth is established by Christ, who again opened heaven for us. He accomplished his work, not for getting people just out of trouble, neither is it merely or specifically for getting forgiveness, but it is for giving us a totally new life. That life is caused by God's work of regeneration. And the form for baptism refers to this incomprehensible work of God when it says that the Holy Spirit imparts to us the daily renewal of our life. The daily renewal of our life. In view even of entering the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. This, I, this morning I may preach to you God's word with this theme. Live in newness of life. Wait for the Lord. Get your strength from him. And glory in his strength. First let us focus on the whole chapter 40 of Isaiah. 40 and its context. The first part of the book of Isaiah isn't very uplifting. It mainly deals with the sinful disobedience of Israel and its consequences. God's Old Testament people even committed sin, evil, committed evil far worse than nations around them. It was far from their hearts and minds to get to know their covenant God more and more and to live in holiness. On the contrary, the Old Testament people Israel 
Isaiah's time, those people were proud as a nation. They were proud in what they themselves had built up. And so they bragged about their greatness, including even the King Hezekiah. After his sickness, you know, he boasted to envoys from, Ab- from Babylon about all his treasures. He showed them his greatness. You read it in the previous chapter 39 of Isaiah. Now the consequences of such a proud life are that God's people have to face the dark future of God's wrath. For a time, God will spew them out of his mouth, allowing those cruel Assyrians and Babylonians to severely oppress Old Testament Israel people. That will happen, as I said, for a time, because the Lord will again set them free. Yes, the prophets of the Lord continued to bring God's word of salvation. Loving his people, God will work a radical change as Isaiah 40 prophesies. God's exiled people will again receive comfort with divine strength. The comfort, the comfort, the opening of chapter 40 starts with, that is the comfort of God's mercy pardoning their iniquity and at the same time giving them strength to live a new life. A congregation, we hardly can read God's word of chapter 40 and keep our eyes dry. And if we let God's words sink in with us, we hear that God, as it were, also speaks his compassionate words with tears in his eyes. Oh, my people, oh, my people, don't you know, haven't you heard who I am? I am your almighty God who is so passionate about you. I won't change. I don't give up. I will come with might. And from the New Testament, we know that this happened and still happens on the grounds of the work of his Son, Jesus Christ. God gives power to live the new life unto his glory for the coming of his kingdom. The form for baptism calls the new life a God-fearing life. Our new life is a God-fearing life. And to that life belongs then to wait for God. To wait for God. What's what's waiting for the Lord? Well, let me picture it as follows. At your home, it's mealtime. A hearty meal is prepared. You smell it already. And you long for it. 
yet all the preparations for it hasn't been done. It is not totally finished. You have to wait. But it is not an uncertain wait. You are informed, you are told what you are getting. And you also even have seen some of the preparations for it. And so you are waiting for it with longing and conviction that the meal will give you renewed strength. And you also know that you need that hearty meal for carrying out the ongoing tasks of life. Well, beloved, in church, in church we are at home with the Lord. Here we are sustained. Here we are fed. I could say also a very, very hearty meal. We are sustained by the means of grace, by his word, by his baptism, by the Lord's Supper. And we wait for the Lord that he will administer us then with the sure promises of the gospel. God's ultimate, God, God's Old Testament people tasted the goodness of the Lord prophesied that was administered by his prophets, like Isaiah. But we as new Israel, as God's people, we taste his goodness proclaimed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we need to refer to John 6, a beautiful chapter about how we are fed. In John 6, the Lord says, I am the true food unto eternal life. And so that new life, that newness of life comes to us through his word and spirit. And beloved, therefore, always wait for him. And this morning, he even sustained us through the baptism of Riley. And his baptism reminded us, all of us, of this blessing. I am baptized too. Even the children here in church, they must also know and here again, you are baptized too. And so you have a new life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Beloved, always be strengthened in having your hope in comfort in him, the Lord says. Have comfort in me. And continue to look at getting strength from the Lord. And rely on that congregation. Rely on getting strength from the Lord for living in newness of life. Like the Old Testament Israel, the Holy God has taken us to be his holy people. He showers us with rich promises like we heard this morning. At baptism, we heard that God totally cares for his child, totally cares for his children, totally cares for us as our Heavenly Father. He frees us 
also from all our sins, from slaves of sin. And further, he makes us into his willing servants. Willing? Let's admit, we are not all like Abraham. He immediately packed up all his belongings on God's call. What about Moses? We are rather like him, are we? Aren't we? Resisting God's call for doing his kingdom work. When an appeal is made on us for doing something for God's cause, yet how do we react? Isn't often our first reaction, oh, I can't do that. I miss the qualities for it. And I don't have strength for it. (coughs) Yet apart from being called for a specific task, like Moses, God's people, young and old, have a general task, a calling. We all have to be a hand and a foot to each other, helping and caring for those in need. And more importantly, God's people, we need to walk in holiness with God. We have to live that new life. I refer to the well-known text, Micah 6, verse 8. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? That scripture text truly points to a walk in newness of life. And how can we live such a new life? Despite God's clear and marvelous revelation to them, Old Testament Israel apparently saw their strength in themselves and in gods that aren't gods but idols. And therefore Isaiah had to give them reminders of who the covenant God is. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Hasn't it been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? And in also verse 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Beloved, our strength for our living, the new life, is God. Our own, sorry, our own indeed living God is our strength. The prophet calls Israel to fully rely on their God. For the full hundred percent, he is doing everything for the people. Isn't that true? For the full, he does everything for his people. 
But in that full 100% included is giving his people strength to live their new life also for the full 100%. For and with him. Relying on their God, they will experience an exchange of strength. An exchange of strength. Fake and faint strength. Weakness is replaced by real and divine strength. According to the Apostle Paul in Romans 6, the same has happened indeed to us as New Testament people. We are not only informed about that exchange of strength, this truth is signed and sealed to us at baptism, as we again witnessed this morning. It is this, this exchange. God sent his only son to endure our weaknesses and take it away, all of it, including death. As we read, as we read this morning, but read continuously, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might then walk in newness of life. For the apostle, the word newness is a word that implies resurrection. That he also mentioned in that chapter, in that text. That is, getting a new, regenerated life. A life in God's kingdom. It is the living out of the Christian life in full service of our King and Savior. Our service, then, is first and foremost carried out in church. The church being the pillar of truth. Truth in this world. But in also witnessing around us of God's greatness, grace, and goodness. So no one, beloved, no one can excuse him or herself from being an active, a living member of Christ's church. Cannot excuse from showing to be dependent on the Savior, from having a Christian attitude and lifestyle. Always remember, you are baptized. You can and need to do what the Lord calls you to do. Rejoice in this truth. I have a new life. My strength, actually, is God's strength. I fully rely on Him through my Savior. I can do, as you also understand, and as you know, most probably from Paul in Philippians, I can do everything. Through him, our Savior. And so I wait 
for him. Yes, I glory in his strength. And my resolve is that I will live my new life for a hundred percent. On his wings, following his course, O congregation, always glory in his strength. Indeed, look what living then in newness of life is doing to God's people. The last part of the text directs to soaring high, fast running, and energetic walking. So waiting for the Lord and getting divine strength make our life having wings. And we will soar, soar high. When, however, we would think that our own human expectations and hopes would give us a lift, we would drop to disaster. But with wings from God, we are strong and safe, mounting up, soaring to unimaginable heights. Look, congregation, the prophet doesn't talk about hummingbird wings or sparrow wings. No, he points to Eagle's wings. Eagle's wings. Indicating that with such wings, you will be powerful and will be able to go on and on and on. Through eagle's wings. Also the children in our midst, they will now listen also in there. Literature sheets, they have to take off the eagles. Now, you will hear a lot about eagles now, the word mentioned. You know that eagles, eagles are huge. They are powerful. They are very energetic birds. They can fly at a high altitude, majestic. They can fly even above the storms that would rage below. This grand bird doesn't grow tired or faint. An eagle is a true symbol of strength and life. No wonder that many nations carry this kingly bird, an eagle, as the national standard. Well, in our text, in other passages of the Bible, as Exodus 19, Deuteronomy 32, Psalm 103, we have sang uh, first a stanza of that psalm. So in Exodus 19, Deuteronomy 32, Psalm 103, also we see, as it were, that God uses the figure of an eagle as his badge. In Exodus 19, we read that when God had freed his people from Egypt, he bore his people as on eagles' wings. He protected them, brought them to the land of his promise. Now think of this 
marvelous thing than if God pictures himself as an eagle. If God is like an eagle, yes, then we ask his children, then we are his young. Then we are his eaglets. What greatness, what power we have. With the ease of an eagle, we will soar high. And what do we see from a high altitude? Yes, we get totally new perspectives. In this case, a heavenly perspective, a spiritual one. Then we don't see things from a human point of view anymore. In fact, we see how small and empty earthly things actually are in themselves. We also see God's wrath revealed in the raging and bragging lives of the ungodly. As soaring eagles, we see for whom and for what we live for and work. We experience also who carries us. We know what he asks of us. To live a renewed life. That is a life in love devoted to God in the bond of peace with one another. Another description of the newness of life. A life in love devoted to God in the bond of peace with one another. This new life also becomes obvious to your neighbors and to all with whom you come in contact. We remain energetic like an eagle in the sky. Furthermore, beloved, do you know what an eagle does in case of a storm? Well, when a storm is approaching, then even before the storm breaks, the eagle will fly to some high spot in a tall tree or on a high rock. And there it will wait for the winds to come. And when it comes, when the storm hits, <coughs> then the eagle sets the flap of his wings. You have seen pictures of eagles, wide and wide, sometimes more than an a meter long at the end of the wings. They have kind of flaps. Actually, what engineers have copied on airplane wings at the end, also those flaps. Well, when the storm comes, the eagle sets up his flaps so that, the, that he can pick up the wind and lift himself up above the storm above it. Now, the eagle doesn't escape the storm, but it simply uses the strong wind to weather it. Therefore, beloved, when the storms of life come upon us, then all of us at a certain time will experience a heart-blowing wind against you. Also think of the message of the eagle. 
and the message of newness of life. Then we, so to speak, the storms of life. We set out the flaps of our faith to God and His promise. In the storm, we wait for the Lord and His strength. And He will lift us up through His power. Congregation, glory in God's strength. The two concluding lines are expressions which seem to slow us down in our new life with God. First, as we have said, on His wings we are soaring high. Then, we are running. Next, our movements become slower and slower, and we walk. It seems as if we are not able to keep up our life with the Lord. However, congregation, the last two figures are not an anticlimax. Rather, they complement the glory of living a new life. And newness of life. The Lord doesn't take us on his wings, doesn't give us wings. He doesn't only do that. He also gives us energy for running in our new life as a competing athlete towards the finishing line. There we will receive at the finishing line the crown of entering the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. And finally, then in that word, walk, walk also. Walk has to be needed and needs to be related to the new life that we have through Christ's resurrection for our walk on the way to the new Jerusalem, to the new heavens and the new earth. And on that walk to the new life, the Lord gives us the spiritual energy. And so soaring, running, walking in newness of life suggests that our life as God's people on earth is the beginning of something much more glorious. It is kind of anticipation, a foreshadowing, even an initiation into the glorious life of heaven. What strength and energy we receive in getting that bliss. To God, all honor and glory. Amen. Our Amen song is also the right version of our passage, hymn 13, the verses the stanzas one through five, all hymn.